Hi, Karen. I'm thrilled to see you today for our second in a row, middle of the week, mini pod, middle of the day. Yes. Exactly, Katie. It is always wonderful to see you. Thank you for making time. Oh, you too. For this podcast recording slash therapy addendum. Yes. I am going to therapy less these days. And it, this is even the more, all the more important, I think, for me to actually have some sort of semblance of normalcy and feel not alone. So thank you. Yes. Thank you. So uh, I was thinking about my last week and one thing I definitely want to mention is I want to give a shout out, except now that I don't, damn it. Now I don't remember the name of the high school. So Maddie, my friend, Matt's is a high school guidance counselor. Yeah. And his high school did a production of Mean Girls Ooh, for their spring cool. musical. And a bunch of us went and it was so much fun. And I wanted to give them a shout out, but I don't remember what high school it's called. So oh my God, I love that so much. <laughs> you went like this past week? Oh yeah, last Thursday. That's so fun. I have heard high school productions are kind of dialing it in these days. Like they're like legit. Like when I was in high school, I'm not sure if I, I mean, maybe they were great. I don't know, but I've heard they're incredible these days. Oh no, this school, I mean, it's in this, it's on the North shore in the suburbs. They spent, I'm sure tens of thousands of dollars on the props and the costumes. It was a cast of thousands. I, I there were so many kids in that musical. Wow. And I will say all of the, I mean, the cast, they were great. They were so good. All of the girls' voices, stunning. Like great performers, not great dancers, but like it was so much fun because they were so, so good. So awesome. High school boys, though, had their voice, were their voices cracking and like a little bit and the, they're just awkward in a way mm. that high school girls, I feel like are not. No, high school girls are totally in their own power and high school boys are just like following them around like puppies <laughs> or something like that. I mean, it's just like, it's awkward. Yeah. Wow. It sounds really, really fun. That's so awesome. Thanks for like, th th I mean, I does Matt listen? I don't know. Matt, Maybe if you listen, sometime. congratulations. I wish I could have gone too. That sounds like so much fun. That sounds like some, such a fun thing to do on a weekday too. I should just, oh. I should see if Bend High has stuff like that. I'm sure they do. I should look it up. It's very entertaining, I got to say. And it's a beautiful high school with a beautiful theater, like way nicer than some of the like independent theaters. Wow. Just like in town. Oh yeah, it was gorgeous. That's so awesome. Have I told you about the Tina Turner musical that I went to two weeks ago in oh, Michigan? With your mom, that's right. No. Oh my gosh. Okay, so it's called Tina, the Tina Turner musical. And I it was at Wharton Center at Michigan State, which, I mean, they have really big acts. It's not like it's, you know, something small. But we went and I was so unbelievably impressed that like, I was like the first person to stand up like in a standing ovation to the point. I mean, I love Tina Turner, the sidebar. Like she's like, she's so one. I saw her in like, I think it was 2001 with my dad and it was a Lionel Richie Tina Turner concert. I mean, there's nothing better like life highlight for me. But anyway, the point is, is that like this show was so incredible and that I did all this research afterward. Turns out this was like a Broadway musical that premiered in 2018. Tina Turner wasn't part of it, but she went to the, you know, premiere of it, of course, and that kind of stuff. And then, um, 
And then they have, this is their first year touring. And so it's a mm-hmm. national tour. So if anyone out there has an opportunity to see the Tina Turner musical, legit go see it because it's, it's like, it's a concert, but it's also so good. And it talks about like her relationship with Ike and also her children. And it talk. I mean, it's also pretty dark. There's uh actual like domestic violence on stage. That was something mm-hmm. that I was like, not surprised by, but at the same time, like, wow, that's, I'm glad they're at least depicting something that's like real, but yes. maybe not for kid, kid, like maybe not like 10 and younger, younger, but anyway, it was great. Oh, I'm so glad. And your mom liked it. Oh, she loved it. But we were wearing masks and afterward we were walking out and I was like, I think I thought that she couldn't hear me, even though it's a mask. Obviously everyone can hear you. And I was screaming. I was like, <laughs> I am aggressively in love with this show. I literally said that. And she's like, I can tell like in an inside voice. And I was like, <laughs> she's like, I loved it too. And I was like, okay, I think I'm being a little bit too, like, I was like, really like, yeah, I was, I think my hyped up on some chocolate or something, but anyway, it was great. So anyway, live music, live music, live theater. It's all good. Yes. Huge fan. 10 out of 10 recommend. Yes. And now I want to see like Mean Girls, the musical for real. Yeah. I've heard that's I mean, amazing. Not that, that wasn't real, but you know what I mean? No, I totally know. Like in New York City <laughs> or in Chicago, I guess. Speaking of live acts. So I have a thought, Karen, that I really want to see Beyonce this summer. I know. I know. I really, really do. And I looked it up in San Francisco. They have a show on August 30th. It's $400 a ticket and the tickets are actually in, it's a pretty, pretty good seats. Although it's at, at, um, oh God, what the hell is it called? I can't remember what it's called. I think SoFi Stadium or no, that's in LA. It doesn't matter. Anyway, it's a huge stadium for the San Francisco 49ers. And I'm like, am I willing to spend $400 on a Beyonce ticket? I don't know. I, I know this is, this is the dilemma. If you are not like top tier beehive i feel like this is the question we are we are all asking ourselves like really yeah oh yeah i mean i haven't bought tickets yet either i haven't even priced them i know mlb has looked into the chicago tickets i think i think 400 is like the baseline of what you're going to pay to see oh, beyonce this summer 100 percent for sure yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, there, like, part of me was like, oh, that's not so bad. And I'm like, oh my, what am I smoking? $400? Like, I genuinely don't know if I would pay that much for anyone else. Like, like anyone. She does, She hasn't gone on tour in like seven something years. It's like, <laughs> this is how they get you. This is how they get you. I know. I know. We'll see. It will be interesting to see if by the end of the summer, you and I both give in. I kind of think I might give in. I don't know. I just don't I know understand. if I can get anyone else to give in with me. That's the thing. It would just be me and me. In San Francisco, I mean, I think some of my friends might come, but I mean, that is a huge price tag. It's also a pain in the ass because in in terms of like getting to that stadium, it's actually really far away from San Francisco. So it's like you're like, it's like two hours one way with traffic. Oh, no. oh it's horrible. It's like a whole thing. Like, and so it's, uh, you know, that's that's not a selling point for people who live in SF. I will say my other hesitancy is I am not a huge arena show person. Oh, I'm not either. Right? Like Lizzo, first of all, we didn't pay for those tickets. And second of all, she's incredible. And it was like so much fun. Yes. And it was like just a giant party. But in general, arena shows, eh. I know. It's like they're super echoey and all you're doing is staring at the screens, not at the person. Correct. 
Yeah. Because the person is ancestor. <laughs> like I need binocs and I'm wearing my my earplugs. Like I was like, I'm 97 years old, having a great time, $400. Like it's like plus $56 for parking. You know, it's just, I'm talking myself out of this right now. Plus the eight hour drive to San Francisco. I mean, legit. And so it's like, I could fly down there. I was even thinking I could get a hotel near the the stadium, but it's in a dead zone. It's not even, it's not actually a cool place to get a hotel. Anyway, I feel like I'm boring our listeners, but anyway, I'm thinking about Beyonce. It's a potential. I have a few months. I think you do too. Cause it's in July, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Stay tuned. Everyone stay tuned listeners. So I have to tell you, Karen, and I'm really excited. I went for a swim today. My first <gasps> swim. I was so excited. And yesterday was my eight week mark from my surgery, which is, I know, right? How has it been eight weeks already? I know. It's wild. So it's great. It's like eight weeks is actually like a huge milestone. There's no complications. Yay, yay, yay. I'm going to my post op (gasps) in Portland next week. And so, um, yeah, it's great. And I I like felt good at the pool. And I was like, oh my God, like (sighs) maybe I can start feeling good in my body again. So anyway, it's all positive. It's a good thing. Ah, uh, congratulations. I'm so glad to hear that. Thanks. And okay. So then we start the New York fashion trip and yes. What else was there? I think just, just the fashion journey. There was the New York trip, the queer eye and the fashion journey. Yes, exactly. And booking a photographer and hair and makeup yes. and all the things. Oh, also manifesting an upper West side penthouse for a two-week stay for free yes correct thank you universe (laughs) small small order very very small tiny easy so easy there are so many upper west side not even it doesn't have to be the upper west side who cares it's like any apartment that is nice and safe and beautiful and has really good aesthetics and great natural light (laughs) i will accept And a doorman and <laughs> and a door a doorman is to- that would be great too. I'll take a brownstone without a doorman. Anyway, this is uh I'm just putting it out there. We'll see. Yeah, we will see, Karen, but it's gonna be in mid September. So it's coming in not that far away. But anyway, okay. So I'm so excited about our topic. Please take it away. Per usual, you have wonderful ideas. Thank you for bringing it up. Oh my gosh. Thank you again for being willing. So I had some conversations this week that led to this idea that we are all doing too much and that we are also doing too much for other people and that we all, so many of us, not all of us, so many of us have this idea that if we don't do it, it won't get done. Yes. And that that somehow is the end of the world if the thing doesn't get done. And what I am thinking is, well, what would happen if that thing doesn't get done? What would happen if you just dropped it? People don't hold on to things. They don't pick things up. They don't help. They don't try because they know that you are not going to let it fall. Well, what would happen if you did? Exactly. You might be surprised at what would happen if you did. Like people are self-sufficient. They can figure shit out for themselves. Like, yeah, I I love this topic so much. And I know I said this before we hit record, but I really feel like most people who listen to this pod are probably the people in high school who were the ones in science class that finished the group project before everyone else because no one else in the class would do it or no one else in their group would do it. And it's like, 
yes, I guess in that analogy, that doesn't really make sense because you want a good grade too. But like in the adult world, you just don't have to do everything. I think that like, I just wonder where that messaging came from in terms of like why we have to do it all for people. Well, it's interesting, the context. I mean, it's socialization, of course, right? And all these things, but yes, I'm also curious about that. And I feel like in one of the conversations I had about that this week was somebody who had just gotten promoted. She's one of the only women in leadership and she feels like she has to prove herself. And she has to show them that they didn't make a mistake in promoting her. And she has to show that she can do it and do everything. And I was like, men in that job don't. And she's like, absolutely not. So fucking literally not. They don't get in there. And if they do feel like they have something to prove, they're aggressive about it. Mm. They don't take care of everything. They're just assholes. I mean, I'm generalizing, generalizing, of course, but it's true though. I mean, generalizations exist for a reason. Like that is like, that's just, it is. It's like, they're aggressive about it. And then they, and it's like, maybe their aggression has something to do with their own insecurity, but they don't masquerade that way. And so it's like, they just are pissed that other people aren't doing the shit. I I don't know. And so then they just get mad and everyone's uncomfortable. Whereas women just stuff it all down and then try to smooth it out for everybody else. Absolutely. Yes. And we also, I think one of the things I asked this person also was like, how many of the things you're doing, are you doing for other people because they quote unquote, don't have time. Mm. You are their boss and you are taking on parts of their job. And she's like, Oh, absolutely. No, no. I'm telling people you need to take time off. You need to take care of yourself. Just let me do it. But no one's doing that for her. Yeah, totally. It's like, just drop it. Just don't do it. it. Just cross it off your to-do list and it doesn't ever have to come back. I think it's hard though, like when you do that, like when you are so used to being the one that is like a competence ninja and like you're constantly the person who is doing the thing. And it's like, it's it, there is like a self, I do think, and I want it, this is back to owning our shit from our last episode. Like there is, at least for me, an accountability that I have to take in that like, me doing the thing is also serving me in doing the thing. And so like, I have to look at that and be like, well, wait, is it serving me in a positive way? Or like, what, what is it actually doing for me? I'm saying that I'm doing it for other people, but what is it doing for me? And I'm not saying for us to all blame ourselves, but it's just an interesting introspection. Ooh, I mean, that is a huge thing. Cause I feel like there also is this thing where that we do, where we create tasks or we create, we decide that something needs to get done. Yes. Because we've decided, is it absolutely necessary? Maybe, maybe not. But then we get mad that other people aren't invested in it. And it's like, you just made that up. Yes. Yes. You're the one who decided that every cupcake needed nine sprinkles. Yes. Yes. That's a you thing. That's a you problem, not an us problem. I'm not going to sit and count all the sprinkles because you decided they needed to have nine. You want them to have nine. You put the nine on. Right. Totally. But then like relinquishing that control, relinquishing that feeling of being the competence ninja, that's hard for me. Like it really is. And it's, I mean, I have to say this, this is really coming up for me right now. There is an example and I will not like divulge who this person is, Um, but there is someone in my life who 
has a situation where they live where there are family members close by and close friends, like very, very close. And this person always, always, always has a Easter brunch, always. And the other few never, ever do. They don't clean up. They don't bring food. They don't do anything. They just expect this person to do it and they do it and then that's it. So this has always been how it's been years and years and years and years and years that this person who, you know, has this Easter brunch, like creates this experience and everyone's really thankful and happy and then they leave and then this person is just saddled with like cleaning the house and also cleaning up what they made and then also making all the food, whatever. So I call this person the day before Easter this year and I was like, hey, how is how are your brunch plans going? This happens every single year, Karen. And this person told me, oh, I'm not doing it this year. And I was like why i was like what what seriously like this is like a big deal for this person to say no to this and they were like no i actually don't want to do it anymore mm. i don't find it interest like i don't find it gratifying it bothers me that these people are not pulling their weight in any way like zero and i was like i was so stunned and so happy for this person that i was like that's so wonderful and this person's like yeah i'm gonna go meet up with my friends and i'm gonna do something fun and I was like, okay, that's incredible. Like taking your power back because, I mean, that's hard when you've done the same thing all the, every year and like people expect it. And it's like, well, and then I asked her or I asked this person, you know, well, what are, you know, your family and friends going to do? And she's like, I don't know. I don't care. Like they can do their own thing. It's not my problem. And I was like, oh. mic drop. I mean, seriously. On a holiday, to be willing to, on a holiday, this tradition yep. to decide, I don't, what, like to question, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Is it because these people expect me to, or is it because I actually enjoy doing it? And if it's because these people expect you, then just stop doing it. Don't fucking do it if you don't like it. Just I love don't that. don't do it, right? Don't do it. There's so much power in just saying no. And it's also like, I can hear other people in my life being like, well, why didn't that person ask for help? Why didn't they? And I'm like, fuck you, first of all. And secondly, <laughs> like, what if you're a person in the world who sees someone who's trying really hard and you're not offering to help or offering anything, that's on you, dude. Like, that is on you. Like, that's don't blame the person who's trying. Right. Well, and people are allowed to change. We've talked about this before. You're allowed to change your mind. Mm hmm. You're allowed to just be like, I don't want to do this anymore. Totally. Totally. Okay. I have to, I have one more story. So okay. I was out to brunch with a good friend of mine from college when I was back in Michigan. She's from Portland. And so I was talking to her. I was like, oh yeah, like, you know, are you going back soon? Da, da, da. She told me this story that I will never forget as long as I live because I was like, I was so happy for her. So basically what it is, she her husband has a close first cousin that lived in Michigan, grew up in Michigan. That's where she lives also. And now she does. And that cousin moved to Portland like 10 years ago or something. And they have always had a good relationship with this person and they have kids and da, 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 whatever. Anyway, this cousin moves to Portland and it just so happens that it mo this guy moves within a two minute walking distance of my friend's house, of my friend's parents' house. And I was like, oh, well, do you see him all the time? And she's like, no, I did. And I felt bankrupt in my soul. She's like, <laughs> I 
She's like, I never see my parents. If I'm going to go over to this guy's house and chit chat about the weather, she's like, I, she's not, she's a really wonderful person. She like, she's like, I have nothing against this guy, but I'm taking away three hours of my life, meaning three hours that I could be spending with my parents who I really, really miss to spend just like checking a box with this yep. cousin. And she's like, I don't even have anything wrong with this cousin. He's a great guy. There's literally no problem. But she's like, I no longer go to his house whenever I go to Portland. And she's like, it was awkward at first because like, it's like, I actually pass his house every time I come and go from my mom's, my parents' place because, you know, it's on the way to the highway, whatever. And she was like, but I don't feel any, you know, any stress about it anymore. She's like, I've decided that I only do things that I want to do from now on. Oh. Uh, yes. Right. I was, I was, my jaw was on the kitchen, on the table when I like was listening to her. I was like, that is so empowering. You can do that. Like you can do that. Right. Who knew? Idea that you don't owe anyone anything Mm -mm. is like, it is a key that will unlock the cage we all live in. Like, oh my God. Totally. Yeah. It's it's a lot and it's like but it's also a lot to like untangle this stuff like sometimes it's like it seems so easy maybe it is maybe it is actually easy like to say just no just no (laughs) i don't know i'll try it this week terrifying i mean i feel like there is a certain like you were saying the competence ninja there is a certain satisfaction that comes from getting things done i feel like for me, the warning sign is when I start to feel resentful. Yeah, totally. Like, yay, I got this thing done. And then I think, well, why is it just me doing it? Mm-hmm. Or wouldn't it be great if it was somebody else's turn? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It really is. And it's like, oof. and you know, people out there listening, if you're like, I don't think I do this. Like, it's like, I don't know anyone who doesn't do this. Like, unless, well, I don't want to pinpoint in heterosexual marriages, the men or mm. partnerships. I I will say that there is definitely a socialization of whether or not the person who, yeah, it's just who isn't the man is uh, doing the stuff. Yep. No. So I... I have, uh, Cindy, thank you, Cindy. I have Cindy's copy of Untamed, the Glennon Doyle book. Oh, so good. Yes. Yes. Um, and I've never read her before. I mean, I've listened to her before, but I am realizing I've never read anything by her before. So I don't know if this is always her storytelling style of these like disjointed chapters and some of them are long or some of them are super short and it makes it very accessible. But so I just got to a chapter where she's talking about being a feminist and raising her girls to be feminists since they were in utero and having them listen to books that were about feminism, all these things. And then looking up and realizing she also has a son who she allows to not help out around the house. And like, she she just realizes like men are part of feminism too. Like men are also part of the world and that like, she's been so intentional about socializing her girls about gender and roles and like has completely left her son out and then realizes like he needs to help out around the house too. And it doesn't matter how many sports he's in and how many things he has going on. Everybody does. And it's just very interesting. Cause I feel like, I wonder how many of us who grew up with brothers, like 
grew up with this golden child like he must be protected at all costs kind of totally I mean it's fascinating that part of untamed like made me put the book down and just like breathe for a second like before picking it back up because I was like holy shit first off I'm so glad she was that vulnerable to explain that she was doing that you know in her own family and secondly like I just think it's so insidious it's like it's not even something people think about and it's like I think that you know with Tyler and I like I my office is on our upper floor next to the laundry room so I naturally do the laundry more often well that didn't always that didn't vibe with me very well about three months ago when I was like hey I'm always doing the fucking laundry and he was like which I don't swear at him but like you know you get it for emphasis but anyway I he was just like okay well I never come upstairs except for to go to bed and I was like not an excuse nope like I need you to help like this is not even but it's not even helping like I have a I have a friend who when she had her first baby she is married to a man and people in front of me would say like you know they would be like oh is your husband watch like we would be out to dinner or something and is your husband babysitting the kids tonight Uh. she's like oh he doesn't babysit those are his children like those are like you don't deserve a fucking gold medal for being a person who actually is a parent that is a responsible human being. Oh God, that. Mm. Yeah, no, I we Okay, so we've been talking about have Tori, having Tori on again anyway, but we definitely need to have Tori on to talk yes. about some of her insights about parenting as someone who owns a childcare company. Like, oh my God, the whole babysitting your own children. You can't babysit your own children. I mean, I'm like throwing up in my mouth at the thought of this. Like you can't, like that doesn't even make sense. And like, I just think that there is a real culture of like applauding men when they like clean something or they clean the house or they do something. It's like, Oh my God, look how great he is. Like, he's so amazing. Fuck that shit. They own the house with you. Like how, why does it mean that the, yeah. mm -hmm. I would love to talk to Tori about this. I really would. Tori, please give us a ring. (laughs) Holler, you're on the line. So we, so the 19th has a story. Oh my gosh. Which story is it by Chabelli? Basically, she cites a study that women are penalized in the workplace for having children. Men are rewarded in the workplace for having children. They are more likely to get raises and more likely to get promotions. And exactly the opposite is true for women. Why is it that they're most more likely to get raises and promotions? They're so responsible and they're the providers. Oh. And isn't he wonderful? He has a family. Barf. Mm-hmm. Oh. Gosh. Yeah, I think it's the mommy penalty and the daddy reward. Oh, gosh. Mm -hmm. That's awful. Also, totally understandable. I also heard on the Glennon Doyle podcast a while ago how I don't have the specific statistic, but like women who have children in heterosexual marriages, they take off 10 years of their lifespan. (gasps) And then men, when they get married and they have children, add 10 years because it's like there's just so much more labor that goes into like I mean it's just I mean even this is such like the emotional labor the unseen labor the invisible labor like there's actually a Jennifer Siebel Newsom documentary about this about the invisible labor that I can't remember what it's called but please look it up I'll look it up I'll put it in the show notes but like the point is is that this is this is being talked about more and more and I think that it's like something that people really buck against because and I by people i mean white men who have always been the beneficiaries of the status quo like no 
this isn't, this isn't okay. And what frightens me, of course, is that it isn't like it's shifting all that much or all that quickly. No. Like we are still perpetuating. We as a par- a generation of parents, we as people in our forties are not necessarily raising people who are different than that. Yeah, totally. We have not, we have not gotten the Glennon memo that like, you have to raise everybody to think about equity and everybody to think about their role in things. And that partnership means both of you, like we raise girls to think that, but we don't raise boys to think that. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. There's a lot like it's, like untangling all of that programming and then yourself as a parent and then trying to like impart that onto your children in a society that is still perpetuating that is, yeah, I give parents a lot of credit. I know there are so many parents out there that are trying so hard and it's just like, I cannot imagine how hard that is. Well, this woman I was talking to yesterday was like, I'm a mom everywhere. I'm a mom at home and I'm a mom at work because she just does everything right? She's doing everything at home and she's doing everything at work. She carries that same energy of like, well, I'll just do it. Well, I'll just do it. I'll just do it mm-hmm. to work. Totally. When you were talking to her, did she say that she would be willing to put anything down or was that? She was thinking about it. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm stealing this from Tori. I don't, not to steal Tori's thunder, but I think the analogy is the same or that both parts of your life are the same in that when you do everything at home, you are not teaching your partner. You are not helping your partner to learn how to do the thing. He yes. wasn't raised to learn how to do the thing. That's fine, but you can fix that now. And you're not giving him an opportunity to step up if you just keep stepping in. And what I said to this woman was about at work, not only is it not good for you to do everything, but you are taking opportunities potentially away from other people. You are taking professional development opportunities and learning opportunities from other people when you just do everything. Yes. I mean, that's a beautiful framing. Like that's, it's, but it's just true. Like, it's just true. Like you're not actually helping everyone. Like you're actually like, let them have their own stuff. And that goes for outside of like, I have a situation right now where someone in my life is struggling and I keep thinking like, I want this person to be okay. And yet I cannot save this person. And so it's like, obviously I don't want this person to be in any way harmed or hurt, but like, I also feel like they need to hit their own rock bottom to figure out their next step. I can't be the one to figure out their next step for them. And by constantly coming up with solutions and potential solutions for them, like it's actually enabling them to continue to perpetuate the cycle of depression that they're in. Yeah. It's tough. It's rough. I mean, I feel yeah. like even saying that I'm like, God, I'm a raging bitch, but I'm no, I'm not. I'm not like I'm taking away opportunities for them to figure out their own self-sufficiency. Well, and sometimes shit's just over our heads. Like you're dealing with brain chemistry. There's, I mean, you can do what you can do, but. Totally. That's actually a really, really good point. That's so true. It's okay to tap out when something's over your head or when you don't feel like you want to do it. Okay, I'm just realizing that I have a meeting that's just started. So I have to go. <laughs> Same. Um, yes, on that note, Karen, I can't wait to see you next week. I hope everyone has a wonderful weekend, or I guess we have a wonderful weekend, and uh, we will see you all next week. <laughs>